Welcome to the Sword and Song Podcast. Here, Montana pastors Jonah Barnes, Ted Sutton, and Flynn Ayers discuss issues that build up the church and defend her from the enemies of the faith. That the glorious gospel song will be heard throughout Earth's remotest bounds. Hey, welcome back to Sword and Song. This is Pastor Flynn with Pastors Jonah Barnes and Ted Sutton. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hello. Pretty, pretty good, brother. How are you? Doing well. I don't know. I, I assume the listeners know that we're Zooming. So we're not actually <laughs> not. meeting together. We're not. Okay. So we 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 actually Zoom. So I'm looking at, uh, we're all looking at each other through the computer. So we haven't actually, we don't actually travel to to see each other so it's nice to say hi <laughs> yeah that would be quite the weekend. break out of our week yeah we'd have to do it on a weekend every time right exactly exactly um so uh today's topic uh we are um, we're going to try to get this i think we're going to try to get this out timely because we are getting close to halloween we're getting close to reformation uh, Reformation Day, Reformation Night. And uh, so we thought we would talk about the Reformation. Uh, and so Jonah is going to take uh, the lead on this discussion. So Jonah, I'll turn it over to you on the Reformation. All right. Um, for our episode today, we are going to discuss some of our favorite reformers. Uh, there are plenty of resources out on all these guys that we're going to be talking about, and obviously plenty of resources on the movement the Reformation, but what we want to talk about are some of our particular favorite uh, pastors and leaders of the Reformation, and then why. Why they are our favorites and what inspires us. At least I assume the reason why you chose the men that you chose is because they inspire you to be better men uh, in the pulpit and in the home. At least that's why I chose a couple of mine. Um, you might you might sense a theme when I talk about my couple of guys here. But sure, we're gonna... right. We're going to start uh, the podcast episode on the Reformation with Flynn's hero, Martin Luther. Yeah, you know, it's really hard when we talked about pick a pick a favorite reformer. And, of course, there are so many uh, wonderful, godly men, an amazing move of the spirit in the Reformation. It's like, man, there's so many there's so many to choose from. Like for me, it's like for me trying to pick a favorite food what's your favorite food oh my goodness i got a lot of favorite foods (laughs) um but in thinking about it you know as i as i as i was meditating on it i thought the guy that the guy that i just really respect the most is martin luther uh and 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 I'll, i'll give you some reasons why i think um well i guess first of all um, we should talk about why are why why are we talking about the Revo- the Reformation because yeah. because Halloween's coming up, so just super quick, um, uh, Halloween is October thirty first. It's the evening before All Saints Day, which is November first. And at the time, at the t- and at the time uh, Luther was around for I don't know how many uh, how many years, but because All Saints Day has been something that has been celebrated by the church since the early centuries of the church, since, but the yeah, date is floated around in the three hundreds. Yeah, three hundred. It was celebrated in the three hundreds and then became formalized on the thirty first in the seven hundreds. Seven hundreds. Okay, thank you. So seven hundreds, it became formalized um, on that day, and uh, Luther, and it became a feast day. And so in Wittenberg, where Luther was, a bunch of people were coming for All Saints Day, and he posted the ninety five theses on the Wittenberg door, famous famous uh, act actually uh, obviously most people know he posted the 95 theses on the evening before uh, all saints day on all hallows eve yeah, and often strategic. in the church right yeah very strategic and uh most a lot of a lot of the days a lot of the days that were celebrated by the church began in the evening before which is something that goes all the way back to you know the way they, the way the the way uh the Hebrews, the way God uh, 
oriented days was different than the way we do it now in the modern day, right? The modern world. Uh, if it's like today right now is Thursday, right? So when the sun goes down tonight, it's actually it becomes Friday in the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, in the evening. And in the, in the evening. As soon as the sun goes down, it's actually Friday, which for us, it stays Thursday until midnight. We, we're operating based on our, our time clock. But back then, that's that's when it was. And so a lot of the church holidays have those evenings, like Christmas Eve, for example, the evening before Christmas Eve, before Christmas. Anyway, posting in the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door on Halloween is, for most people, uh, consider the beginning of the Reformation proper. Mm-hmm. There were there were reform movements before that, but they all got killed. <laughs> they, they all got killed. Right? <laughs> yep. Uh, and those are good things to talk about, like uh, Huss, you know, Huss's movement in particular, Wycliffe. and others, Wycliffe. But the Reformation really gathered steam under Luther. So why did I pick Luther? So I think one of the reasons is um, it's really difficult for us. Uh, when we look at history, even biblical history, well, especially biblical history, because biblical history goes way back, way back. It's really difficult for us to put ourselves or to 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 have a, an understanding of what it was like, the pressures, the common everyday things that went on uh, from our modern perspective, to put ourselves in the ancient perspective. It's just really difficult. I mean, how do we even know? I mean, really hard. We, we, we The Bible... Um, teaches us truth that we can grab hold of, but but what was it like in the days of Abraham? If we were to actually live in the days of Abraham, it's just really challenging. And I think that same is true even as even even as far modern, far forward as the time of the Reformation in 1517 and Luther, trying to understand what's going on, and and in a particular, the 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 boldness of Luther to challenge the Pope, uh, it's hard for us to just really understand how much pressure I think there would be on Luther for that. Yeah. I mean, his no, eternal... There's no Twitter to be anonymous on? Yeah. No, Everybody no knew Twitter to be anonymous on, exactly. Yeah. But also, I mean, the, the standard view of the time, I mean, the Pope, the church, in particular the Pope, who's the head of the church, the vicar of Christ, had the keys of eternity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if Luther's wrong, <laughs> he, you know, he's going to be in hell forever. He's in hell forever. It's just really hard for us to wrap our mind around, especially in modern America, uh, the kind of pressure that Luther was under. But he, you know, obviously a move of the spirit, but just his commitment to the truth, uh, committing himself completely to God, you know, uh, it's just a, I mean, I just think that it's just an it's an amazing example of of just his commitment, his commitment to Jesus Christ, his commitment to the Father, his love of the Father. You know, we talk about that with Jesus as our example all the time. I mean, Jesus committed himself. He knew he was in his Father's hands, uh, even with the death on the cross. And, uh, you know, that that example, I think Luther follows Christ's example very, very well in his in his um in that part of it anyway. Now, Luther's a flawed guy, like all of us, right? And everybody nowadays, everybody knows Luther's flaws. And things got pretty heated with the Pope later on once he, you know, once things took off a little bit. Yeah, there's some things we, that Luther <laughs> Luther did that maybe, maybe we wouldn't uh, condone. Uh, Aren't there like and, three Luthers? There's early Luther, middle Luther, late Luther. Luther and late Luther, yeah. 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 You're right. yeah. Which one are you quoting from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's some pamphlets and things that he wrote. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's that might have been a little, little. That was a little, spicy one. That was a spicy one. Um, <laughs> and some vulgar stuff. He said some pretty vulgar stuff too. But so we don't want, don't necessarily want to go there. But hey, you know, um, I mean, he, he, I think he was just a wonderful, godly, a godly example. So that was one. So that that's one reason why. Uh, just for him to post the 95 theses, it's, many of them are boring. Uh, but a couple of them yeah. are pretty good, you know. One of you know, a couple of them are like, hey, you know, with all the wealth, if 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 it's money that springs someone from purgatory, with all the wealth the Pope has, why didn't he why doesn't he just spring everyone out out of goodwill instead of actually people paying him 
yeah, to spring them out. Doesn't the Pope love Christians? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you know, stuff like that. You know, just real, just boldness. But then, but then also when he was, you know, uh, especially when he was beginning to be excommunicated and being evaluated, and of course, uh, the Diet of Worms, that wonderful, wonderful statement. I couldn't imagine him sitting you know, in a chair with this, with this huge assembly around and everybody there. And, you know, cause his famous phrase, you know, uh, here I stand, I can do, I can do no, no other, um, you know, just, just, just a hero, right? I mean, just a hero, absolute hero of the faith, but also, so, but in addition to that, here's a guy who going through all that, yes, he could go over the top um, on some things, but here's a guy who uh, got married, had a family, to an ex-nun. Yeah, to an ex-nun. And uh and enjoyed, enjoyed vigorously the blessings, the earthly blessings that God uh gave uh gave us in food and wine. And and uh uh he was it he that was it, I think it was he, he or his wife actually brewed beer. Uh and um and and he uh in, in addition to that, in addition so that part of it is really cool, but then also he was a man of music. Uh here's a guy who who wrote hymns and and put hymns to music. Hmm. And uh and we we sing his obviously we sing his hymns today, still today. So just a really well-rounded figure. And and it, it, again, another thing is that here's a guy who did not lose his sense of humor. <laughs> Which it may be his sense of humor that actually is maybe part of the reason why he ended up getting in trouble because sometimes you can you can fall into anger, and he said some pretty funny things that actually were probably pretty vulgar. <laughs> yeah, there, about, about a, the Pope. Uh, have you guys seen the the Luther meme generator uh, where the, it just kind of the inside uh, generator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have it linked right here. I was going to put it in the show notes for everybody. Oh, that's hilarious. awesome. And you just click the button and it says, insult me again. And it comes <laughs> up with a new, here, I'll click it. You plunge in like a sow to devour the pearls and like a dog tearing holy things to pieces. That's one of his. <laughs> Listen, you ass, you are a particularly crass ass. Indeed, you are a filthy sow. <laughs> oh, put, that comes from okay. On the Councils in the Church, page 72. <laughs> So you yeah. guys who are offended by our podcast need to read some Luther. No, yeah, I'm just <laughs> quoting Luther here. If you get offended by something we say, just step back a little bit, read Luther, and then you'll think that we are kindergarten teachers. Yeah, exactly. I do. So I do have some quotes, though. I do have some quotes that I wanted to share uh, from Luther, not from the meme generator, but I need to get that, the insult generator. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Some things that I, I appreciate from him. Um, I mentioned beer. Uh, Luther says this, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Therefore, let us drink beer. <laughs> so that's the one I quote every every Oktoberfest. So. Nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, he, we got one here on uh, Adam and Eve. This is just, I think this is just a, you know, just a clever guy thinking of Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, they lived, you know, what was it like to live 900 years, right? So this is what Luther says. Think of all the squabbles Adam and Eve must have had in the course of their 900 years. Eve would say, you ate the apple. And Adam would say, you gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. We got... um and talking about human nature and thinking about, you know, this is a guy who was a pastor. Human nature is like a drunk peasant. Lift him onto this, in, lift him into the saddle on one side, and he topples over on the other side. Yeah. He has a right, just a couple. Huh? Just a couple more. Uh, what lies there are about relics? One claims to have a feather from the wing of the angel Gabriel. And the Bishop of Mans has a flame from Moses' burning bush. And how does it happen that 18 apostles are buried in Germany when Christ only had 12? That's some bold stuff. Yeah. And for us, it, I mean, obviously, that's ridiculous, right? But but at the time, I mean, 
If the Bishop of Manse claimed to have a flame from Moses' burning bush, this was probably a site that people flocked to. Right. Uh, because of the holiness, you know, and the reverence of these things. And here's Luther. Uh, are you guys serious? <laughs> and didn't he also say that if uh, you collected all the relics of the, the wood from Christ's cross, you could build Noah's Ark? That it may be, you know, and that could be. I don't have that here, but that could be. And I there are there are a lot of there are a lot of quotes attributed to Luther that have some um they're not bad, but they're questionable whether or not it's hard to prove. Like one of them is um, you know, if you're a cobbler, you don't make you don't make you don't honor the Lord um and or present the gospel. I can't remember exactly how it goes. If you're if you're a cobbler, you don't um serve the Lord by putting crosses on the shoes, you serve you serve the Lord by making excellent shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't say that. that th that's attributed to Luther, but apparently it's uh, it's hard to prove. Maybe it was from somebody else. What? But here's another Luther quote. Um, if our Lord is permitted to create nice, large pike and good Rhine wine, presumably I may be allowed to eat and drink them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, oh, that's it. I guess I'll just leave. Oh, uh, oh well, Luther's a musical guy, right? This one is attributed to Luther. The devil should not be allowed to keep all the best tunes to himself. If I remember that quote rightly, he's not talking about uh, unbelievers, but he's talking about the Pope, right? Right. That the right. Roman church has the good music and we need to take it back because they, right. yeah. they were singing the Psalms and things. If I remember rightly, he's not talking about pagan, pagan music. He's talking about church music. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Luther, do you have a favorite Luther story? Put you on the spot. Favorite? Luther no, story. off the top of my head, I no, off the top of my head, I don't. I just, I just, I, the general picture. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, um, the the Diet of Worms, and you know, the the way he the way he handled the Diet of Worms is the things that come that comes to mind to me in terms of like a favorite story. I guess it's not funny. But it's uh, it's yeah. just I just think it's an amazing example of of heroism in the faith. But like but then also uh, yeah. yeah right exactly. But I think just in general, as I, I when I picture Luther, my favorite thing about picturing Luther is just picturing him married with kids, and brewing beer, and mm -hmm. writing writing you know writing hymns and writing theological pamphlets after a lot of this stuff, you know, kind of settled down. Uh, you know, I, I just love that picture. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know, I, one of my favorite, at least it's attributed to him. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I like one of the quotes from him when somebody asked him, you know, how did you, how did you start the Reformation? And, or something like that. And he said, all I did was preach the word and God did the rest. Yeah, yeah something, that's awesome. something yeah, to that effect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I great. don't know any pastor who doesn't long for that. Exactly. That kind, of, that kind of humility and also, you know, the ability to be used by God in such a way. Just right. preach the word and let him let him do it. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's my that I'm far by I'm a far from an expert on Luther, but that's he's he's the guy. He's the guy that I um that I think I I he's the first one that always comes to mind. If I think of a hero of the reformation, which I know makes sense because, but there's a lot of good stuff with Luther. So, all right. Ted, next. You got Ted. anything you want to add to Luther or you want to. No, it's just, it's, it's always funny how, um, you know, especially this time of the year because of, of, you know, the reformation, uh, we always are reminded of, of Luther and his, uh, courage, um, but it but it's also just kind of ironic because you know Luther uh Luther still held the many um many type of many theological things that we would more than likely not uh be okay with today, but we kind of right. let it slide because it was Luther. Uh but then we have you know modern theologians um who you know would would be far more reformed uh in many ways, but who get labeled right. heretic. Uh, labeled her heretics and things like that. Um, so it's just it's just always interesting to see how we 
kind of um, if Luther was alive today and Luther said the things that he said back then now and and held to the views that he held now, um, he probably wouldn't be held in high esteem by many of our reformed uh, gatekeepers. Um, but, you know, he's he's dead. And uh, <laughs> so he's easier. He's easier to stomach. Um, so I just okay. I always find that to be an interesting um, thing with when we, when we think of our our heroes of the of the faith. But yeah, we, um, we know of a spicy guy out west. We do. Who right he, now he, is, uh, he's, he's, he's called, maligned called, for being so spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's well, called that, all sorts of things. So that that gets into the that that gets into the more the, the issue actually just in general of history is a mixed bag, right? And so, you know, um, nobody has a nobody has a corner on the truth. The, the Lord uses Luther, but yeah, Luther didn't. He did not develop, uh, you know, his his theology um, as developed as it is today. But we we have the opportunity to stand on the backs of a lot of these reformers, which is one of the reasons why. You know, we we uh, we recognize them as as important, even though we may not agree um, with uh, some of their theology. You know, I mean, you you could pick anybody, right? I mean, Augustine. You go if you go back as far as Augustine. Augustine um, had some has some teachings that that were not were not good. <laughs> that were not good. But Augustine was an amazing, an amazing and an important hero of the faith. But um, you know, he had some issues. But as we get closer to where we are today, you know, I think guys have, you know, probably have less have less issues. Which, you know, Calvin, right? So even Calvin, I mean, Calvin was able to develop, I think, a much more um, robust, systematic, obviously, a biblical doctrine that we still have today. But even Calvin had issues that we don't, I mean, we don't, you know, we think now, yeah, we don't, we don't agree with, we don't agree with that. But we don't have you know, we have we have the benefit of being, you know, hundreds of years down the road and to, can glean from these guys uh, what was good. And yeah, you know, I mean, you know, Luther didn't Luther didn't like he just could not reconcile. Abraham was justified by works right <laughs> in James. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of goes off the deep end with right. uh, with some of that stuff. Right. But but the Lord used him to get this thing going. And here we are now we here we are today. And the, even the Westminster, right? We take exceptions to the Westminster right. 100, 100, 130 years after Luther and after Calvin, you got the Westminster, which many people would believe is the, is really kind of the, many it's people fun. believe the pinnacle of reformed, yeah. of reformed thinking. And we look at it and we go, yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that one. I don't agree with this one. I don't agree with that one. Right. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. so my uh my favorite reformer um is Calvin, um John Calvin. So I I always go back to um I think he wrote uh, and you brothers may know this better than I do, but I think he wrote a commentator a commentary on every book of the Bible except the book of Revelation. Um no, there's a couple Old Testament ones. I don't think he has one okay. on Esther or Nehemiah. Um, yeah, yeah, and his commentaries, he didn't uh, sit down to write them. They were transcriptions of his sermons. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I always will go and uh, check out what Calvin has to say when I'm preaching. Um, yeah. And usually, usually it's, it's pretty good. And even, even if I find myself somewhat in disagreement, he's always very challenging. And yeah, I'm always uh, just, um, just taken aback by the by the depth of his his pastoral uh, care. Um, he's one of those guys that you know he wrote um, the Institutes of Christian Religion. Um, so he's got a, a systematic um, edge to him. He he can systematize theology, but he also is not afraid to to get into the text um, of Scripture and and to think through what the text says and. Uh, so I've always deeply appreciated Calvin and, and his, his work there. Um, and uh, the way that he pastored, the way that he sought to minister, um, you know, his uh, Geneva um, and the, the work that was being done there, the pastoral training that was being done um, in that area was really just 
uh, kind of the model um, of the Reformation uh, and, and how to train ministers. And in fact, probably contributed largely to the, to the growth uh, and spread of the Reformation. Many, many ministers were, were coming to, to Calva, uh, Calvin's Geneva uh, to, uh, to be trained and to be sent out. Um, and so I think a, a good amount of, of that, you know, that growth was, was largely due to Calvin's ministerial training. Yeah, this, this Reformation, this Reformation uh, de- uh, celebration this year for us, we're doing John Knox, Scottish reformer. And we pick a different reformer each year, uh, and then we we make a game based on that reformer, which nice. we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about that in the Halloween episode. But but Knox went to Geneva and learned from Calvin, yes. mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. And then they were, and there were there were a lot of correspondences between Knox and and Calvin, and and uh, um, Knox very much respected Calvin and Calvin's uh, fatherly. Uh, disposition and, and things like that. So, um, and I think that's kind of one of the things that Calvin had as well was he was very fatherly uh, to many of the young men who were training up in, in ministry. Um, but just a, a kind of basic breakdown. Uh, Calvin was born in France, uh, and like many of the many of the guys uh, in this time period, he studied law. Um, and and didn't Luther studied to be a lawyer too before yep. he became a monk. Yep. And it's Calvin as well. Yeah. Um, but Calvin, and, Calvin strikes me, though, as way more the lawyer type. That carried over. Yeah. His, <laughs> that did carry over. His law training carried over. Yeah. I picture Luther sitting in the back of the class. <laughs> doing doing spitballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. throwing, throwing his pencil up into the into the, uh, the ceiling uh, tiles yes ceiling, yeah exactly and i picture <laughs> calvin i picture calvin being like acing front, every single front seat acing every yeah front right. seat acing every test <laughs> uh so yeah he studied law um and then uh was influenced pretty heavily through you know some lutheran um theologians and and so he became uh protestant um and because he became protestant he was basically um, kicked out, uh, and so he ends up in in Basel, uh, Switzerland for for a little while, and it's there that he decides to to go um, into uh, Geneva, and he meets uh, a man who ends up um, essentially guilt tripping him into staying and ministering in Geneva, and this is William Farrell, um, or however his name is is pronounced. Um, and it's Will, Will Farrell. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was, a well yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And he is, uh, he's pretty heavily guilt tripped into, <laughs> uh, into staying. He doesn't, uh-huh. he doesn't want to. Um, and ba- basically I don't remember the precise quote, but it's basically, you know, God will, will strike you down if you don't come. Right. Yep. <laughs> and minister here. And it just scared, it scared Calvin uh, into doing it. And so he goes, he, he, he ministered <laughs> there with, uh, with Farrell and Farrell. Um, and, and then he gets kicked out. Um, so he, he gets kicked out of Geneva because uh, he has some strict views on the Lord's Supper that doesn't, um, doesn't mesh with the city council. So remember during that time, um, it was much more, uh, you know, the, the, our concept and notion of freedom of religion here uh, wasn't uh, wasn't the same uh, for most of church history. Um, our it's you know our view of of separation of church and state is, is somewhat novel um, in human history, uh, and that didn't exist in Calvin's day. So the the city council did not like the the strict discipline that was going on over over in Calvin uh, within Calvin's company of pastors and things like that um and so ended up kicking him out um and uh can't remember where he oh he goes with uh he goes the yeah he goes with your guys uh, your guy and, and ministers there with him um and then uh geneva ends up wanting him back they they get into a tuffle with with um some some uh roman catholic guys and and ask 
ask Calvin to get involved and Calvin writes a letter um, and that ends up basically uh, making Calvin a, a hero. Uh, and so they ask him to come back. He comes back and, and finishes his, uh, his ministerial career in Geneva. Um, you know, Calvin uh, on the, from those on the outside, Calvin gets a bad rap, um, you know, because Calvinists. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say Servetus. Well, Servetus is, is also one of those. But usually, usually Servetus is brought up uh, on an attack uh, on Calvinism uh, because, you know, nobody wants to uh, nobody wants to like the guy who affirms predestination and election and, and all those things. And Calvin certainly held to those those views and, and wrote on them. But um, Calvin also wrote a lot on uh, worship and reforming the church's worship. Um, he wrote a lot on um, the need to reform the church's music, um, getting back to the Psalms. Um, and he, he compiled and put together a Psalter. Um, he kind of developed what, what we would refer to now as, as the regulative principle of worship, um, where God's word regulates worship. So we need to get back to a, a proper understanding of, of worship where God's word um, dictates and, and, and teaches and t tells us what we are to do in worship. We don't get to just make it up. We need to follow God's word um, on that. Um, and then one of the things that Calvin kind of does um, is he begins to develop. Uh oh, my. Are you, can you guys still hear me? Yep. Yeah. See me? Okay. Uh, he starts to develop um, kind of the doctrine of of the covenant, um, and we see this really play out with with his understanding of baptism, um, and particularly infant baptism. So he develops the doctrine of the covenant with relation to uh, to that. And, and it's certainly not um, that that doctrinal development of the covenant um, is is developed further as the Reformation um, advances and things like that. Um, but Calvin does kind of lead the way um, uh, on that. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of um, trying to think. Um, he does also. Go ahead. No, go ahead. He also has a a, a strong doctrine of uh, vocation, and Luther did too. Mm -hmm. uh, Lutheran or Luther wanted to, um, you know, the the doctrine mm -hmm. of. Um, oh man, uh, why am I drawing a blank on on? Are you talking about the priesthood of all believers? Yes, the priesthood of all believers. Um, and uh, and how you know the the shoemaker has a has just a right. as much of a godly vocation um, as the the minister and, yeah. and both exactly. are to be done in the uh, to the glory of God um, and with the idea of bringing honor and, and glory to Christ and, and His kingdom um, yeah. and and so both both theologians um, were were good uh, on that respect. Um, Calvin's institutes uh, were really big and pivotal in, within the Reformation as well. Uh, today too. It, what was that? Even today too. It's still an yep. important work. Very important work. Yeah, it kind of became a uh, systematized uh, Protestant um, theological system um, of that time and, and, and day. Um, and again, if you read that, you 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 can't divorce uh, Calvin's pastoral care um, from his systematic writings. I mean, it's very much uh, part and parcel of of Calvin as the man. Um, he was he was a um, he was a pastor at heart, and he wanted to uh, bring honor and glory to Christ and all that he did and all that he thought of. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've always appreciated. Calvin, um, learning about him in seminary, learning about him um, in various parts of my own pastorate, uh, and he's been very influential on my own thinking. Um, and I love that Calvin wasn't afraid to say that our children was were, were Christians or are Christians. Um, so his his catechism that he that he wrote he developed 
um, was very strong on on using the language of Christian for for covenant children. Um, mm. You know, yeah, we can we can talk about covenant children. We can use that language, and that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. But Calvin was very uh, very strongly adamant that no, our, our the word that we want to use for our children is they're Christians. Um, that's what Absolutely. they are. So. Mm. Absolutely. And yeah, Calvin, one of the things I really like about Calvin was um, you mentioned the Institute. I'm glad you did the timeline because uh, the Institutes, he wrote at, at the beginning of all that <laughs> it, it, before he went to Geneva. And it wasn't, I mean, he right. continued to work on it, you know, over the years, but most six editions. In, yeah. Most of what you get in the Institutes, I mean, he had already, he was in his 20s. He was 27 uh, when he wrote the first. 27, yeah. When the first edition yeah. was published in Latin. Yeah. 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 Imagine writing yeah, your, your six, six editions in a language total. not your own. <laughs> you speak French, but you have to write it in Latin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people don't really know this about Calvin, but he was, um, he was a workaholic. Um, he, yeah. Uh, he was, uh, you know, writing sermons and, 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 they were doing, you know, multiple services on Sunday and, and many services throughout the week. He was uh, very big on, and this is something that unfortunately has, has taken a um, backseat within our tradition even now, um, but pastoral care um, was a huge part of Calvin's ministry and the ministry of the Reformed ministers. Um, mm -hmm. They were constantly involved in the lives of, of the people um, and doing, you know, pastor's visits all the time um, and, you know, catechetical training with, with uh, people as they would visit and things like that. Um, and, you know, I think arguably might have led to Calvin's um, death um, was that he, he just overworked himself. He was just constantly going going, going, going nonstop. Um, and um, again, something that I, I model, or I mean, not, uh, not <laughs> something that I, that I admire yeah. uh, about Calvin. I try to model, uh, but, but yeah, I how many years he got about, left? You got don't have many years left. If you... <laughs> yeah. But he also does kind of um, help us uh, remember that, you know, we are um, finite human beings and there, there are limits to what we are able to do um so uh I, you know probably since you brought it up jonah um well, we'll never bring up we should, we should probably tackle uh Cervatus. so um yeah. because that is that is one of one of the things that you know those who are just really opposed to calvin will will bring this account up so uh Cervatus was um a well let's just be blunt and honest he was a heretic um, and he was already condemned as a heretic before he, he was already condemned. And that's and that's one of the things that people really don't understand. They don't they don't think th through this. Um, blasphemy um, was punishable by death by all of the branches of the church. Um, all of them held to that view. Um, and so, you know, Lutherans, Reformed, Zwingli, every you know, all the reformers, everybody held to, to the view that that blasphemers were um, were subject to being put to death. Well, and that and that's not and that's not a new thing. I mean, that's that's that that goes all the way back to the beginning of the you know the begin the early centuries of the church. I mean, this this yeah. So what your your point is well taken. This was not a novel creation of Geneva to put Servetus to death. It's yeah. what you did. Yes, and and Calvin, um, Calvin tried um, very much to uh, to work with Servetus to tell Absolutely. him, um, brother. You know, he didn't call him brother, but he, you know, hey, if you if you come here, um, you will be arrested and you will be put to death. Um, and he tried to um, reason with him. He tried to teach him and and you know get him to to come to. Uh, the biblical theological position on the Trinity and other other heretical views, and and Servetus wanted none of it. And um, so then, when when he was arrested, uh, even Calvin still tried to um, reason with with them and 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 tried to 
actually get his his death penalty to be Pardon? um <laughs> or a, yeah exactly set aside no yeah just uh, exile him i think is what he wanted right and the, the uh, magistrates in geneva overruled I, calvin or do i have that backwards or no, no I, right. I they overruled him but i don't remember if exile was the issue but calvin i don't i don't think it him. was i don't think it was exile i think he just he he ruled he tried to get his uh, his punishment of death to be a little bit more, um, yeah, quick and oh, okay, and yeah. done. You know, without without a, too much of a, a spectacle and things like that. But he was he was overruled um, on that. So um, all that to say, you know, we might have um, modern our modern sensibilities might come you know perk up a little bit when we hear that. We might think of that being as extreme but um you know we need to we need to judge calvin um not by our modern um views of of things but by what was pretty standard in that day um and yeah Servetus wasn't the only one to be put to death he was not <laughs> and, and and he would have been put to death he would have been put to death wherever he went right yeah um, one of my favorite stories from luther is the time that him and his friends faked his death because the <laughs> Roman church had a hit, you know, had a hit out on his life and there were people coming to assassinate him. So he's like, I'll just do it first. And they uh, faked his death and uh, he had fake papers made, you know, fake identity papers. Right. Who was the, who was the prince that, that there yeah, was a, took him in. They yeah. like, killed him, you know, killed him on the road, right. but actually right. he kidnapped yeah. him and took him to his own castle to keep him safe. Yeah. So, so awesome. No. So people, people were, you know, being put to death you know, uh, everywhere uh, for what the church, e either side of the church, the Anabaptists, the Protestants, or the Roman church considered as blasphemy. So, right. right it wasn't an aberration at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so Jonah, different, different era, right? Different, different era. era. Yeah. There's no, yeah, yeah, you mentioned Twitter earlier. I mean, if you were put to death for the things that you say, <laughs> Maybe we right. wouldn't have so much stuff on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, you would be a lot less willingly uh, spewing some of the some of the stuff that that guys just freely yeah. do all the time. Um, you would one, be one a lot I wanna, more tame in that regard. Yeah, if I have a chance. One thing I wanted to bring up about Servetus, if that's okay, you guys. Yeah, go, ahead. To go We need to move to Jonah, though. But it occurred to me that, you know, um, another lesson, I suppose, from the Servetus um, uh, situation is that, so Geneva was was thriving. And uh, as you said, Ted, people were coming from all over to learn. It was, you know, a, a the first, in a lot of ways, picture of, of how Reformation principles, you know, could impact the culture, could impact the city. And it was doing very well at the time. And so what you have, but you also, when, when you do that, so there's some momentum there, right? And people are excited. They want to know what's coming out of Geneva, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. But when you do that, you also attract uh, others, that want to jump on that bandwagon, but they have nefarious or, you know, uh, ill purposes. So Servetus is like, yeah, I'm going to Geneva because that's where they're, they, they're they've, the rebelled, the shakers, yeah. they've rebelled against Rome and this is all, you know, new and, you know, and I'm going to be a part of what's going on there. And, uh, and, and Calvin's like, um, you're a heretic, actually. Your views are heretical this is these are not reformational views this is not biblical you know and so you get right. you know and he's the classic one but i'm sure there were others that were wanting to jump on the bandwagon who had their own agendas not biblical agendas and you have to deal with those and so we deal with that today right i mean that's that's the same kind of a thing people you know want to join you if you're a if you're if you're making waves and and uh you know there's re rebellious folks that want to join not because not because they're bold and clinging to the truth and not afraid to risk their lives, but because they're rebellious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the CREC is uh, prone to attract them. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, one of my, well, you know, Calvin does get a bad rap as like a, a grumpy Calvinist, you know, just cold hearted. And some of his, I mean, the Institutes is great. You know, you would think reading the Institutes that is largest because of the bad news that people talk about Calvin and Calvinism, that the largest section in the Institutes would be on predestination. Right. But it's actually on prayer. Yep. The thing that consumes the most pages of the Institutes of the Christian Religion is on the importance of prayer. And uh, he's got a, a good book. Uh, I should have grabbed it off my shelf, but it's called On Predestination. Have you guys read this? And it's it's letters, public letters no. that are yeah, written between him and an, and an Armenian type guy. Oh, I forget his name. And uh, but all those charges that are leveled against Calvinism, you know, so so God wanted Adam to sin. So God is a moral monster. And and Calvin lost children. His children died. Uh, some mm -hmm. of his children died. And the uh, in these public letters, the guy who's arguing with Calvin said, God, God wants your children dead. That's why he killed them. Like he, and Calvin and all of his responses, he didn't answer like Luther would have. Yeah. <laughs> but he was he was very very pastoral about you know how how do we think about the loss of life when it comes to children and the providence of God and it's a very I mean it's a very slim volume um, but it's a very good good book. I, yeah. I, well, yeah, you know, and you it's the link to it. It's it's funny we we could we could talk we could go down many different um, rabbit trails uh, talking about these guys, but um, couple things so. You know, Calvin um, oftentimes, too, when we compare Calvin to Luther, um, gets kind of the, you know, Calvin is the um, much easier, you know, uh, winsome um, guy. And, and Luther is kind of your just say whatever you want to say type thing. But uh, Calvin had some, um, Calvin was not afraid to say very strong things and strong words uh to yeah. papists um and to um civil yeah. civil rulers who were stepping outside of their bounds mm -hmm. uh, so calvin was certainly not afraid to to give them strong strong words as well right. um one one last thing about calvin too that i think is worth noting um and this kind of goes into also uh what i said earlier about the fact that uh, it really was Calva, Calvin's Geneva that um, kind of uh, continued the Reformation and uh, led to the Reformation continuing in its growth and expansion. Um, and that's because Calvin um, had a very strong emphasis on education and, and educating the ministers and, and, and a, a strong educated clergy and, and minister uh, ministry. Um, that really attracted a lot of a lot of guys um, to want to go and get trained there. Um, and and he uh, what was going on in Geneva um, and, and the, the ministers there became kind of that model way that other people wanted to do things where they were. Right. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted to have a very similar kind of, of structure and um emphasis within the city and the city life um and it, it just was a, a, a strong attraction for people to to want uh, to model that um and since we've used the the crec um you know because that's what we want to do we want to we want to talk about modern day things and and how there are a lot of similarities um one of the things that i i think has a strong parallel to calva calvin and calvin's geneva would be uh, Doug Wilson and uh, and Moscow, Idaho. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lot of strong parallels. Um, very, very pastorally minded, uh, a strong emphasis on education, a strong emphasis on um, educating, you know, people and, and catechizing and training up and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, not to not to toot uh, our, our horn here in the CREC or anything like that, but I do think there are some strong parallels there. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and Calvin's Geneva helped spread, you know, the Reformation because as he trained up those men, he actually forced them out. Yes. You know, they'd want to stay. Geneva's beautiful. Geneva's right. great. Geneva's wonderful. We're safe here. We just want to. And he said, no, 
you need to go. And there's some, maybe you're reading about it in that book, the Calvin's Company of Pastors, but I think there's a statistic, you know, that the pastors and missionaries that got sent out of Geneva, their average lifespan after being sent out was like seven years or something. Because they would, they would just go out everywhere and they would just be put to death by pagans or by the Roman church or whoever. And the, the school in Geneva became known as Calvin's, uh, Calvin's school of death. Yeah. <laughs> I had not heard that. Oh, that's yeah. great. I got a member of the church I mean, actually made me a shirt that said student of Calvin's school of death. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, but yeah, the, those men knew what they were signing up for. Uh, yes. And then they gave them the, the necessary training they needed and sent them out. And many, many, many of them were martyred. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, my, my gentleman of choice was, is Martin Bootser which I'm upset that we didn't get the name for our new presbytery, but <laughs> that's okay. One of the like interesting things, you know, if, if 1517 is the, the focal point of the timeline that we're talking about here, uh, Luther was 34 when he nailed the 95 theses. Uh, Calvin was only eight years old at the time. Right. Um, but like I said, again, he, he wrote the Institutes, the first edition when he was 27. That just boggles <laughs> my mind. Uh, and then Bootser, when Luther nailed the 95 Theses, was only 26. So all these guys, you know, they're they're just so young. I mean, mm-hmm. as we think of yeah. age, uh, none of them really, they didn't live, you know, into their 70s or anything like that. Um, everyone kind of died a, a decade or two earlier than they do now. Um, but these were young, young men with young families, just doing wonderful, powerful things. But I chose Bootser. Uh, he's a German reformer, and he—I chose him because he's the guy in the shadows. He yep. knew everybody. Uh, he was friends with everybody. All the all the big name reformers. Um, nothing really happened in the Reformation that Bootser wasn't a part of, and yet he's kind of he's kind of died the death of obscurity. Nobody really knows. I mean, uh, you can still find books about him and stuff, but if you say Luther people know who you're talking about but if you say bootser they'll think of the coffee shop in moscow idaho or something <laughs> right you know? um but he he knew everyone uh, he was involved with everything like i said and even all the disputes between the reformers bootser was the mediator you know so when luther and zwingli were this i love this story uh when luther and zwingli in marburg were arguing about the lord's table and its meaning and zwingli's like it's a memorial it's symbols and Luther said, he said, this is my body, you know, and they're arguing right. what Bootser did during that whole long debate, which spanned multiple days. He would dress up as popes of the past and he would come into the room during these big debates and dressed up as these previous popes. And he'd have everyone guess who he was. You know, like, <laughs> guys, 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 guess who I am today? You know, guess who I am now? And and he was... um. Uh, he's been coined, you know, the, the party animal of the Reformation. Because <laughs> while they're debating at the, you know, at, uh, what the meaning of the Lord's table is, he's making jokes. Right. And yeah. and that, I think, like, yes, that's, they're all brothers. You know, the, it's, a, it's a family debate. Uh, we're not going to excommunicate or kill anybody over this. And he just brought the joy to it. He was quick-witted, very joyful. He's like a... a, a a uh, German G.K. Chesterton and uh, very jovial. Um, he John Calvin said that Martin Bootser was the most humble man that he'd ever met, and he was the hmm. only one uh, uh, who had the least warrant to be so. So he, which means he's the greatest man yeah. that Calvin ever knew. And when John Calvin was first exiled from uh, Geneva, he went to Strasbourg, where yep. Bootser was. And uh, and Bootser took him into into his house, and then a year or two later, I think uh, Calvin moved into the house next door. <laughs> he didn't want to leave Bootser, and Bootser writes that his greatest achievement with Calvin was teaching him how to tell a joke. <laughs> <laughs> like Calvin, you need to loosen up, and he taught him how to be a pastor, and that was one of the things that was such a big issue with Calvin early on in Geneva. He didn't know how to be a pastor. He didn't know how to take care yeah. of people, and and Bootser trained him in that. He was the the pastor's pastor. Um, yeah. 
And so I, I really like Bootser. Uh, he, he was the first reformer uh, to have a wife. So he was a Dominican monk and he gave up his uh, Dominican vows and he gave up his habit, you know, his clothes. And he married, uh, he convinced uh, Will Brandis. That's her name. That's a great name, by the way, Will Brandis. And uh, he convinced her, you know, <laughs> through, through the teachings of Luther to give up the nunnery. And then they got married. And uh, so he gave up his Dominican vows. And a year later, he was married. So he's the first first major reformer to get married. And he was very prolific in his letters. And he wrote letters to all the other reformers. And uh, and he would say things like, uh, my friends, you do not know what you are missing. And I just imagine <laughs> there's like a winky face, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the marriage bed is what he's talking about. Right, right. And he's, he said uh, he just loved his wife. He loved his family. And uh, he said there was nothing more beneficial to the sanctity of your salvation than your wife and children. Mm. And his wife was the one who, uh, to his joy and vexation, his wife was the one who, who pointed out all of his sins. <laughs> but he was happy about that because then he could confess and repent of them and change. He could become a better man. And he... He just praised his wife so much. And uh, he says, wives are good things. And uh, he and then he became the the matchmaker of the Reformation. And he tried to find wives for all of his friends. <laughs> so he went oh, around really? to all these ex-nuns and, hey, would you like would you like to get married to a man? You know, and, and he tried <laughs> to matchmake the whole movement. It was great. Um, Luther, uh, Luther wrote that Martin Bootser is the chatterbox of the Reformation. <laughs> how much he wrote and how much he talked and traveled and his letters were great because you know if you like i mentioned with calvin's on predestination his letters that go out are very doctrinal uh they're 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 teaching letters you know they're exegesis um they're those kinds of letters but bootser would write out you know multiple letters every week and it would and he would just talk to his he would send letters to luther and to calvin and to and zwingli and all these other guys and he would say things like, today I conducted a funeral and it was very sad. Yeah. And I'd appreciate your prayer for me and for this family. Or, you know, today there was a birth in the church and we got, you know, and we're looking forward to the baptism of the child. And and there was his letters were more um, the theology of living. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's that's probably why he's not as well known. You know, because, you know, that do, that doesn't appeal to the scholarly academic world as much as the right. Instance. Right. That, that he built up relationships. That's what he was doing. And uh, his letters would be very encouraging. The reformers, um, the reformers all considered Bootser their closest friend. So mm. if you were to ask any of them, apparently, uh, this is at least the things I've read. You know, if you were to ask Luther, who's your best friend, he would say Bootser. And you ask Calvin, you know, and he would say Bootser. And he mm. was just that guy. Um, he wrote... Uh, at least two books that I'm that I'm privy to. There's not a lot that we have from Martin Bootser. I mean, there's a lot out there. It just hasn't been translated into English. Um, but he wrote a book called The Instruction in Christian Love. Have you guys read that? No. Uh -uh. So do you guys know uh, Reformation Heritage Books? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At, yeah. That uh, Puritan. They it's it's a little, you know, here. Here's the it's very slim. It's 68 pages. Mm -hmm. And uh you can buy it for $2. And so I, I recommend buying a box for your church. Um, it, it's a wonderful book on the fellowship of Christian life and the duty of Christian love to one another. It's just great. Um, I really like it. And then, of course, uh, the true the true care of souls is his yeah. book on being a pastor. Yeah, and those are the two, two works that at least I'm familiar with when it comes to Bootser. What um, was the title of the first one, Jonah? instruction in christian love we i, I can i'll uh, put a link in the podcast description it, it's only two dollars and it's it's very worth picking up multiple copies of um it's kind of like bonhoeffer's life together you guys remember that book yes. um, obviously precedes bonhoeffer by a few years <laughs> <laughs> just a few yeah a few years um he he when he got a when he got excommunicated by Rome and the papal bull came out about his heresy, he read it to his congregation laughing. 
he just thought it was the best thing ever. You know, <laughs> like that that's his attitude about the Reformation. He loved God and he loved God's people and he found joy everywhere. Uh he did get exiled from Strasbourg and he had to it was a city council. Ah, city councils, man. Yeah, city council. City council <laughs> kicked him out and he went to England and he became the professor of divinity at Oxford. And uh, he worked with Cranmer. So Cranmer had put out the first edition of the Book of Common Prayer. And he handed it, and it was already in print and everything, and he handed it to Bootser, and he asked Bootser to critique it. And so in reformer-like fashion, Bootser didn't just critique it. He wrote a book of critiques. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote a book of critiques. And then Cranmer, in his next edition, took all of Bootser's critiques and implemented them in the Book of Common Prayer. So, so the Book of Common Prayer that is 1662 Book of Common Prayer that's just widely distributed. Um, that's the one the Anglicans use for their international edition and everything. Uh, Bootser's hand is in there. Uh, but no, no, like nobody really knows, right? Right, right. He's yeah. the guy in the shadows. He's that. the guy behind the scenes. Um, the, the So the two things that really uh, re, uh, resonated with Bootser was the, the Reformation of Liturgy. He was he was the liturgical reformer. Um, he spent a great deal of time in the local congregation building up worship, um, and then he was the reformer who uh, revolutionized pastoral care. Yeah, and, and all of it when you when you read his writing, a lot of it is just based on how he lived in his home with his family. And uh, he just he wrote a. I'll, I'll end with a quote um, from Bootser. He says, grace is not a doctrine. Instead, is it is an endowment from God. Therefore, grace is not to be conceived of merely in your mind. It is to be lived out in your life. Uh, and, and amen. Good job. Amen. Man. amen. Yeah. And, uh, That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Bootser. He's the hidden, the hidden gem of the Reformation in my mind. Um, yeah. I, I've got another guy to talk about, but that's okay. We'll save him for another yeah. day. Yeah, I think I don't I forgot to look at the time, but I think we're probably getting close to an hour, aren't we? Yeah. Uh yep. we should post some links to some of our favorite things from our our guys on the in the podcast description, see if anybody would be interested. Um with Calvin and Luther, you can buy multi volumes. Well, Calvin's commentaries actually are free online. You if you just yeah. type Calvin's commentaries will take yeah, PDFs you to, show up. Yeah. Yep, PDFs. Um, Luther's that's, too. That's, I actually have all of Calvin's commentaries, but I also have um, just a nice resource. Just go online, type it up, and and you can get it all. Um, yeah, Luther and Calvin's that. works are so voluminous that having the digital versions is great because you can search them. Yes. Right. On the search function, and that's really helpful. So, yeah, you guys. Uh, you have anything else you want to say about our our gentleman? That we well, I, no, I, I think I, it was go ahead. Jack. I wanna I just wanna um maybe add one one thing. Um we we have grown um into and it, how do I want to word this? I think it's important that we note that the reformers um they loved the church mm -hmm. um, and they wanted the church to reform. Right. They didn't wanna they didn't want to start their own church movements or anything like that they wanted the church to reform um that's easy to miss uh in our you know age of denominations um especially when they're right. lutherans what was that especially when there's a bunch of lutherans out there right, right. Well, well there's yeah i mean there's tons of presbyterians tons of reformed yeah i mean um but it, it it's also um it's important for us to recognize that and know that because we can kind of become like um, anti-Catholic, anti-Roman Catholic. And, and, you know, yes, there are, there are certain doctrinal points and, and things like that, that keeps, that keeps us from being able to be in unity with um, Roman Catholics. Um, but I think we should, I think we should, desire and want rome to um stop doing what they're doing and uh and and you know for us to be able to be unified 
um, one day, right? Like mm -hmm. there, there is this weird kind of like, well, I just, I, I want Rome to just be done and done away with. Um, but that was not the spirit of the, the reformers. That was not the mindset. Yeah. That was not the heart um, and love of, of the reformers. They, they loved the church. They just thought that, that, that she was in error and need to be needed to be reformed. Um, and um, I, I pray that that would be our ethos as well. Um, there is one holy Catholic church and that holy Catholic church needs to be uh, reformed um, and, uh, and, and reformed to, to God's word. Um, and I, I pray that that would be our focus and desire um, as well. Um, and, and not to have these splintering churches, but, but, for the Lord to be working in and throughout these churches to be unified um, and and to con conform to God's word and standard. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. The reformers weren't like, I disagree with you, leadership of of the church, and the le leadership of the church, you know, doesn't agree with them, and so they just go, well, I'm just going to go form my own denomination. That that's not the way it worked. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should yeah. have an episode on. <laughs> You know that that kind of thing. What qualifies as error that leads to division? Yeah. And what what kind of error ought Christians to cover over in love? You know, because as pastors, we're going to say something wrong at some point. I mean, I doubt it, but I'm just kidding. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> yet. So no. I don't know. <laughs> and you know, our parishioners with their Bibles open can disagree with us, right? right? But when does it come? And that's fine. And we can uh, move move forward still in faith together. You know, we have we have a Baptist family in the church, and they disagree with me on on the mode or the recipients of baptism. But we're not uh, their members, though. They haven't left over it. But there are certain things that would be uh, deal breakers. And maybe that'd be a good as as our culture continues to influence the church in America. That might be something to consider. Talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it might. And, and it sounds funny, but I think for a lot of people, I mean, even just something for us, it might be really obvious, but it's not in the church at large. Mormonism, not Christianity. Oh yeah, so we got some deal breakers. We could do it. Right, write that down. <laughs> episode on Mormonism. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. Well, all right. Well, what do you? Um, anything else, or are we ready to to wrap up and no, this, okay. uh, this topic of the Reformation? Yeah. Thank. Thanks for sharing your heroes, heroes of the, yeah. the faith, our fathers, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys in the next episode of the Sword and Song. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Sword and Song, please share and subscribe. We encourage you to send your comments and questions to swordandsong at protonmail.com. See you next time.